0: I'm sure you've heard the saying, I hate to lose more than I love to win. That phrase was coined by one of the best tennis players of all time, Jimmy Connors. And I think his words of wisdom are appropriate after what we saw Saturday night in Waco. Yeah, OU beat Baylor. The Sooners were supposed to beat Baylor. It was a win to open Big 12 conference play, which should be a great feeling. But as a Sooners fan, do you feel great? After watching the way OU played against an 0-3 Baylor team, can you say that you love that win? Of course not. Funny how we don't really appreciate wins as much as we stew over losses. Just imagine being an Oklahoma State fan after this weekend. That defeat at the hands of TCU is so much more emotionally devastating compared to the feeling of exuberance Cowboys fans would have gotten from a victory. While us OU supporters feel a bit unenthusiastic by the way Saturday played out for the Sooners, maybe we should all ask the OSU fans in our lives how they're feeling today. Probably a bit more unenthusiastic than we are. Shortly after beating Baylor by eight points Saturday night, Lincoln Riley heaped praise upon the Bears. Quote, "'Winning is hard,' Riley said. "'You can't take winning for granted.' And we're not too good to not appreciate it. And you know what? Lincoln Riley is 100% correct. Winning is hard. And the Sooners most certainly are not too good to not appreciate it. That was made pretty clear Saturday night. Two things can be true at once. A national championship contender throttles Ohio State and Columbus on national television at night. And a national championship contender does not allow Baylor to score 41 points and rack up 500-plus yards of offense. I have no idea which OU team will resemble more the rest of the season, that club from the night in Columbus or the team from that night in Waco. So because of that, as of now, I'll just do my best to not hate that win over Baylor. Because although losing hurts so much more than winning lifts you up, in this survive and advance world of college football when considering the alternative, I absolutely love an eight-point win over Baylor. I'm Lee Benson, and this is West of Everest. On first down, it's Adams up the middle. Abdul Adams, watch out! Abdul
1: Adams! Trying to go 99 yards, and he does! Third down and eight after the timeout. It is Sermon. Sermon's got the first down and more. Still on his feet. Sermon, touchdown. 34 yards by the true freshman.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome into another edition of West of Everest. OU escapes Waco with a 49 41 win over a not terrible Baylor team. And also, you can say, a much-improved Baylor team, at least from week one. Joining me, as always, is my brother Grant. And Grant, uh, I did not travel to Waco for this one. I watched it on TV at the News 9 studios back in Oklahoma City. And then I watched the game again when I got home. And if I had to describe this game in one word, I would say unpleasant. What say you? First of all, Lee, thanks for that sobering
1: opening take. I thought that was very well done. Um, if I had to describe this game in one word, I would use the word weird. It was a really weird game. Um, I was at a wedding on Saturday night, so I didn't get to watch the game live. I was able to watch um, watch it in its entirety when I got home. And um, I, I, I knew I knew the outcome of the game already. I, I didn't really know exactly how everything played out, but I knew it was a close game. And they escaped with a win. And watching the game as it unfolded, knowing what the end result was, um, the, the game just came off as a very weird game. A lot of stuff had to happen for Baylor to be in the position that they were, um, and pretty much everything that needed to happen for them to win that game did. Um, and I think the Sooners should feel pretty pretty fortunate that they, that they got out of Waco last night with a win.
0: Before I ask you our first big question, i got to bring this up, because ever since the season preview, you, you circled the Baylor game on the calendar grant. You said, that's the trap game for OU this season. And, and, and you, you predicted that weeks ago. You even st- stood by it last week, and Oklahoma did not play well and barely won. How do you feel about that now?
1: Well, I mean, I, I just thought it was the perfect storm. Um, you have a Baylor team that is 0-3 coming in. Uh, they've lost to an FCS team. They've lost to UTSA. Of course, they looked a lot better on the road last week against uh, a decent Duke team. But I, I just thought it was the perfect storm for, for a surprise game, um, especially with this OU fan base. Um, they see an 0-3 record, they see a team that lost to an FCS team, and they think, oh, this Baylor team is, is done. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're already entrenched at the bottom of the Big 12, and, and I didn't think that it was maybe that easy. Um, based off of all of the tape that I had watched over Baylor, they were not a good team in their first three games. Um, and and I, I can only come up with predictions just, you know, based off of what we've seen on film. And so that's kind of why I added the caveat and a lot of the stuff that I talked about in the last podcast about how, oh, you should do this, they should do this. But I still had a weird feeling that it probably wasn't going to be that easy. Um, and on Saturday night you saw exactly why that was that Baylor still has some really good um, football players left over from the Art Briles era and they showed that last night they have a lot of they, they have a lot of talent on offense and I knew that was going to be the case coming in which is why I was always a little kind of iffy about this game and that game pretty much played out exactly how I envisioned it if the Sooners were going to get upset and you know they they ended up winning so you know we can we can parse through a lot of stuff of the game and we will but I think the most uh, you know the most important takeaway is that they went on the road a conference opener at night in primetime against a team that is full of a bunch of really good um, division one offensive players and you know they they got punched in the mouth a little bit but they they came away with the win
0: and that's really all that matters interesting how you always prefaced this Baylor game as you had a weird feeling about it no reason, just a weird feeling. And then earlier in the podcast, you described the game as weird. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, Yeah.
1: I'm, and I just, I've, I've, I've been watching OU football for a long time and I've just seen it so many times. And so kind of how that game played out last night is in no way surprising to me. And I know it is for a lot of Sooner fans, but you know, last night is, you know, not to, not to heap too much praise on myself, but last night was just almost exactly what, I I was feeling and what I expected to be honest with you
0: grant at this time last week I opened the show asking you if we should be concerned about the OU defense because of that slow start against Tulane so I think it's appropriate to ask a similar question at this point should we be concerned about the OU defense period
1: I think they definitely planted a little bit of seed there especially in the secondary um, or at least one side of the secondary um uh, not to mention now, where you you know you have you have people going down with injuries. We we don't know. We haven't gotten the exact um, word on everybody there yet. But it's already a position that's pretty thin in terms of depth. With uh, with with Jordan Parker going down at the beginning of the season. Um, so I I think it's 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 pretty fair to criticize them, and I think it's fair to say that they have um, they've at least sown a seed of doubt um, in our mind, and that's going to happen. Um, you know, with with a performance like last night. Me personally, I'm not really sounding the alarms yet um what i saw is concerning but it's also a lot of the stuff that i saw really isn't that big of a deal and like i said um, a couple minutes ago a lot of stuff had to happen for baylor uh to be in the position that they were and really my main takeaway from this game is i thought baylor just played really really well um they played
0: well and they had a they had an excellent offensive game plan that they executed pretty much perfectly I say yes. It's absolutely a time to be concerned about Oklahoma's defense. Oklahoma is going to face a much—they're going to face much more dynamic offenses in the Big 12 moving forward. We know that. So allowing Baylor to do pretty much anything and everything the Bears wanted through the air Saturday night is certainly an ominous sign for the Oklahoma defense. And speaking of Baylor doing anything and everything that wanted through the air— Zach Smith, the quarterback, had a career day. He was 33 of 50, 463 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And I think it's, at this point, it's, it's good to point out that, remember, this was the guy who, against Duke last week, was 12 of 34 with three picks. So nearly half of the yards that Baylor had through the air came on just four different plays. A 71 yard touchdown, a 72 yard touchdown, a 34 yard pass, and a 41 yard pass. So Grant, I gotta ask you, I, I thought this OU secondary was pretty good. We've talked about how good the OU secondary has been the first few games, how we thought it would be going back to training camp. What happened against Baylor? Um yeah, not
1: not to heap too much criticism on one player, but I but I thought a lot of their issues were 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 mainly on one side of the field. Um, Mostly Jordan Thomas might have had his worst game as a Sooner. Uh, He had a really, really bad game. They picked on him repeatedly. Um, There were a couple plays that honestly were just straight-up dimes by Zach Smith, something that we didn't see on tape at all—the uh, first uh, his first couple games of the season—and I, I think it's crazy that you know you're right. You said that he was 12 of 34 last week against Duke, which is atrocious, um, and and he was dropping dimes in this game. And I think when we're when we're going to analyze this game, especially on the defensive side of the ball, I think nuance is needed, um, some context is needed. I'm glad you brought up that he had nearly half of his yards on four different plays. Um, because Baylor did not, uh, or Zach Smith and Baylor um, on offense, I, I did not think carved up the OU secondary at all. A, a, a lot of a, a lot of the stuff that they got was just on big plays. Um, one, one of my favorite stats um, in the advanced college football world is is, uh, is success rate, which is basically just you know on which down how successful are you, uh, uh, you know in what percentage of the time are you successful. I don't think Baylor had a very good success rate in this game in that game. I thought they had a lot of Uh, a lot of runs for for no gain or negative yardage they certainly didn't uh, eat the Sooners up over the middle of the field they weren't getting uh, having just wide open uh, receivers open downfield 10 15 yards downfield I I wouldn't be surprised so Zach Smith was 33 of 50 Um, Lee I wouldn't be surprised at all if at least half of those completions were little screen passes behind the line of scrimmage
0: so yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought up a lot of those points uh, You know about nuance. Very important word, a word that I, I like. Uh, when I want to answer this question about the OU secondary, I want to bring up two big plays in the entire game that basically changed the entire game. And both of the plays were mostly on Jordan Thomas. And I'm sure you know exactly what I'm talking about. The two touchdown, the long touchdown passes that Baylor got. And this is my bread and butter, Grant, because I know I never played in college, but I played a little defensive back in high school. I love watching defensive backs, especially corners, play. And it's such a simple position to play because there's not a whole lot that, you, that you're that you asked to do. You're either going to be in man coverage, you're going to be playing cover two, cover three. It, it's very simple. So when you watch it on film, you, it's pretty easy to break down. So I feel like I'm pretty qualified to watch those plays and break down exactly what happened on the play. So let's start with the first one. That happened second quarter OU's up 28 to 10 grant. I mean it looks like at this point the Sooners are going to roll over Baylor. yeah, Baylor got a, a touchdown uh, after a, an atrocious job by the OU punt team gave up a long punt return and then one of the few times on Saturday night, Parnell Motley was technically beat for a touchdown. but anyways, back to the situation second quarter, 28 quarter10 it was third down and six from baylor's own 29 yard line there's still 10 minutes to play in the second quarter denzel mims the guy that we talked about last week about how he looked like he was about seven feet tall out there i mean just a big tall guy had no idea that he was going to be able to have the ability to break off massive plays i mean he made a big play against duke but it was only about 40 yards and it was just a post across the middle of the field that it was just a good good play call and he beat he beat his man but this was just a straight streak. So he goes and beats Jordan Thomas for seventy-one yards for the touchdown. And honestly, this wasn't that bad of a play by Jordan Thomas. He was with Mims the entire time. Turned his head at the right time when Mims was looking for the pass. But you alluded to it moments ago that Smith threw some dimes. That was a dime. This that throw was perfect. was perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect. Just just past the outstretched arms of Jordan Thomas. That was a
1: that that was a one hundred percent. Perfect throw of the football, and this is what I'm talking about. Whereas the first two weeks of the season, you did not see Zach Smith do that at all. So that was uh, based off what we've seen this year from Zach Smith. That was atypical of him. He put that ball right exactly where it needed to be. And I, I don't think jo- I don't think Jordan Thomas really got burned on that play. He
0: got slightly
1: beat, um, and then the the quarterback just just put it right on the money.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. And it's also worth pointing out though that Thomas. He did slow up a little bit too much when he felt Mims was kind of slowing down and that cost Thomas that extra step. And on the opposite side of the ball, it's also worth pointing this out. They showed the all 22 footage. Barnell Motley had blanket coverage of his wide receiver and he was up playing press coverage all the way while Jordan Thomas started that play playing five yards off the ball. And so even with that kind of cushion, Thomas was still beat. And again, great throw by Smith, but on the other side of the football, if, he would, if the quarterback would have looked to his right instead of his left, there was nothing there because Parnell Motley was all over his receiver easily. So that's the one big play, and that changed everything. Luckily, that was the last touchdown of the half. Oklahoma went into the locker room, still up by 11 points. But then you get to the, the third quarter after halftime. Second play of the second half. It's second down and seven from Baylor's own 28-yard line. OU still up by 11 points. And we've talked about how Oklahoma's played so well after the second half or after halftime in the first three games. I thought, you know what? Lincoln Riley and Mike Stoops will make good adjustments at halftime. And Oklahoma will just roll Baylor after the break because they played so well after halftime prior to this game. The second play of the quarter, Baylor trips left, empty on the right side of the formation. So no wide receivers to the right of Zach Smith. We have Parnell Motley, Steven Parker, Jordan Thomas all look to be in man coverage on this play. Motley and Parker are, are on the inside, on the inside of the formation, playing the two slot guys two yards off the ball. Meanwhile, Jordan Thomas is playing five yards off the ball just like he was when he got beat by Denzel Mims. Ball snapped. Motley's guy runs a bubble screen route, which which takes Motley out of the play completely because he obviously comes up, has his man covered. Parker gets a jam on his guy, but gives up an inside release. This is important. Parker gives up an inside release, which allows his man to get a step on Stephen Parker. Now, Jordan Thomas, out of the corner of his eye, he sees that and decides to cheat towards the hash to help on Parker's man because Thomas is afraid that the ball is going to go to that guy. While this is happening, Chris Platt, the outside receiver, which is Jordan Thomas's man, is running wide open on the outside, and it's an easy pitch and catch. Easy. And, And this play, and to be clear, this play started with Stephen Parker allowing that inside release and having his man beat him. When you're playing man coverage, you cannot give up inside releases because you're playing the guy inside. That's how you're, you're, you're shading the receiver on the inside, and you're playing on the inside. So he gives up the inside release. He beats Stephen Parker by about a step. JT, though, Jordan Thomas, makes an even worse play by vacating his man to try to help he should have known Khalil Hotton is playing one robber technique in the middle of the field. So if the quarterback does throw to Steven Parker, Hotton at least will be there to help make a play. But instead, Thomas let Platt run free near the boundary and Jordan Thomas gives up an easy long touchdown pass that Zach Smith just didn't have to really throw a dime on that play because he was so wide open. That was awful. That was bad cornerback play, and you can tell for whatever reason, Jordan Thomas. If it wasn't lost before that play, totally lost his confidence after that play.
1: Yeah, yeah that that was uh, that was bad, and 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 I like I, I really liked your breakdown there, Lee. I, I think it's interesting to to note too when you break it down like that, just how quickly all of this unfolds during a play of football. Yeah. Um, you know this this is happening over the course of of two or two and a half seconds, maybe less. Yep. Um. So it, any sort of hesita- hesitation by Thomas. And you know that that's where you get beat. And I think that's where you really. This is where you know you're playing a Baylor team that's 0 and 3. This is not a typical 0 and 3 Baylor team. You know we've we've established they have they have some really good players, uh, skill players on offense. And Zach Smith has proven that he can make college throws. He hadn't really proven it this season until last night. But last season he certainly did. He he looked good in in, in limited action last season. So it's I I, I just. I think it's interesting, whereas, you know, you're, you're playing a team that's probably in the bottom half of the Big 12 this year. And, and this is where playing in the Big 12 can get difficult, um, is that bottom half teams in the Big 12 can come alive like this and and can burn you every now and then. We, we've seen it with Texas Tech for years now where they've been in the bottom half, but they're still able to have really potent offensive games just because they have so many athletic and skilled players. And I think that's what we saw last night. Um, just with with the one long touchdown pass or the the two long touchdown passes that, that Jordan Thomas gave up, just anything anything uh, different happening just over a split second can change the entire uh, exactly you know what the play looks like. So uh, you never know if if Jordan Thomas reacts half a second earlier and can get back to his man, he, he maybe picks that ball off on that second long one, uh, touch uh, touchdown that he gave up because it wasn't a particularly good throw from Zach Smith. He was just Open for that split second, so I. This is where I don't get it's it's the big plays that don't necessarily bug me, uh, because up to this point they had been so good at preventing big plays. So so this was uh, this this wasn't normal for you know for how they've been playing this season.
0: And on the opposite side of the field, Parnell Motley. We talked about him a lot so far this season. He did not play elite level cornerback Saturday night, but. No, no doubt he was much better than than Jordan Thomas. And I got to the point where I was watching the game, Grant, and I was making little check marks on my notes about mm-hmm. how many times they actually threw the ball towards Motley side of the field. When the game was pre- pretty much in the, I, I kind of stopped watching after uh, it was 49-34 with like seven minutes. So I'm not, I'm not counting Baylor's last touchdown drive because I was just tired at that point. I, was like, I, I, I've seen enough. I don't need to see. They more were playing,
1: this. They, they were playing prevent defense by the okay.
0: way. Okay. So before that, I only counted, get this, six times throughout the entire game where Baylor went towards Parnell Motley. And I I couldn't even begin to count how many times they went towards Jordan Thomas because you brought it up earlier, Baylor very rarely, if at all, threw the ball in the middle of the field. It was basically all to the left side where Jordan Thomas was playing cornerback. And it's just, man, I mean, they saw something on film and – Zach Smith wanted to avoid Parnell Motley like the plague. And just going through all the different times they threw to Motley, the first time they throw throw Motley's side, Motley comes up, makes a nice play, tackle for loss. second time they throw towards Motley, gives up a touchdown on a deep slant to, uh, I believe that was Mims. Third time. It was Mims, yep. Yep. And and that was a tough that was kind of like a, a cover three kind of weird play where he thought he may might have safety help, but that was on him. That that play was on him. That was on him. And he he, he definitely thought he had help over the middle of the field. And, and that, it was a good route. That it was a good play late. call. Yep. The second and and a, the third and a perfect throw too. Yeah, yeah. True, true. The third time going to Motley, and I, I wish I wrote down the quarter here, but I didn't write down what quarter it was. The third time they went towards Motley, tackle for a two yard gain. The fourth time they go towards Motley, it was just an incompletion into the end zone, bad throw. The fifth time, it was complete playing cover two, and they found that cushion between the cornerback and the safety. That was a 32-yard gain. Uh, That one was on Motley. He should have been deeper because there was nobody in the flat for Baylor, so that was on him. And then the last one, he gave up a 13-yard comeback route where he was playing kind of off. So really, he gave up one touchdown, one one big play, 32 yards. But after that, I mean – it, it was pretty much nothing on that side of the field
1: yeah i i think you know i parnell motley i think he's he's distanced himself i think he's the best corner on the team um i as, at least you know cover wise he certainly is um and that's that's a good thing because i i i haven't lost a ton of confidence in Jordan Thomas yet he looked like Jordan Thomas. I mean, we, we saw even last year he would have lapses in games where he would just have a bad game, um, and he, he still had a he still had a good year last year. I have, I have no doubt that you know he, he could bounce back, uh, depending on if he's healthy or not. He he did leave in the fourth quarter last night. like with an uh, with an ankle injury, so hopefully that's just uh, that's just something that he can rest up with the bye week coming up.
0: And Lincoln but Riley I, was asked about that after the game, and he didn't have any new updates on Jordan Thomas. So at this point, we're not sure about the severity to which his injury is. Sure,
1: sure. And so I, I just I, I'm gonna um, when I see something that, that I need to comment on from another team, I'm gonna do it, and I'm, I'm I'm going to give you know the other team praise if they deserve it. And I and I really do mean it that that Baylor team last night looked nothing like the one that I saw uh the first 3 weeks of the season on on I mean it, it was night and day difference um and, and I just give give Baylor a lot of credit I thought they came out with a really really good offensive game plan that they executed really well and you know even even last uh in last week's podcast when we were kind of ripping on Baylor for not looking good on film um I we conceded that their at the skill positions they looked really solid and I, I, I don't think it's it's stupid to say that Baylor in the Big 12, it probably has the, the second or third best uh, receiver unit in the conference. Um, and, you know, that that was their game plan in this game. They, they, they didn't want Zach Smith to hold on to the ball. Um, they, there was a lot of just uh, catch and throw plays, uh, screen passes behind the line of scrimmage. They were just trying to get the ball to their, their playmakers on the outside because they, they, they really didn't think that their offensive line would be able to hold up. And uh, for the most part, it didn't when they, when they tried to run, you know, uh, the r- long route concepts and stuff like that, not just quick hitters. Um, I, B- B- Baylor played really well, and they, they saw uh, something in the OU defense on that side of the field with Jordan Thomas that they, that they exploited over and over again. And I, I, it's, I'm just not going to get too concerned about it right now if, if it becomes a trend then we can get concerned about it. But I, what I saw last night was, was a team that came out with a game plan that, that OU wasn't necessarily expecting because it didn't look anything like they had done in their first three games. Um, that, that was the total Baylor offense. I think you and I mentioned, Lee, that it looked like Baylor's offense didn't really look like in the first three games they, they didn't really know what they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they certainly did not have an identity problem in this game. They, they, they looked like old Art Briles' Baylor, I thought, with how they executed their offense
0: before we move on to another aspect of the defense I just I want to point out that I've been heaping a lot of criticism on Jordan Thomas during this podcast but that, that that's not to say that I don't think he's a, a good player I mean he's a, he's a he's proven that he's a he's a good cornerback he's a good player at the college level and even last year I kind of thought man I don't know if Jordan Thomas is is, is that great at corner and then I went back and watched film from last season and really kind of dove into it and I was wrong I mean he played pretty darn well last season with the exception of maybe a couple busts here and there so potentially this game against Baylor maybe that's kind of like a a game where he 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 played he didn't play well there was a couple plays that if something the ball was not thrown a certain way he could have maybe made a play on it so it's not like he was just getting torched the entire night deep so this is certainly a game where if Thomas is healthy he can bounce back from and continue to be the player that we know he is and and play good cornerback for the rest of the year so I'm not going to totally bail on Jordan Thomas after after one tough game in conference of course not of course not
1: and I think Jordan Thomas has has proven to be a really really good player for the Sooners the last three years there's he's he's a really good player um, so he's going to bounce back just fine. I, I just I, I I think a lot of people are going to panic about this game, and I just don't think it's warranted yet. Just a lot of a lot of weird stuff had to happen uh, f- for the game to be like this. Everything went right for Baylor. Oh, you didn't get one break in this game, and they they still were able to score almost fifty points on the road, and
0: they won. And you know that's uh, that's about as deep as I'm going to get on that. People might be wondering why do you keep ripping on all the defensive backs and Jordan Thomas? What about the other? seven players up front the defensive line the linebackers you know, what about them why didn't why didn't they help stop anything well it's the, the front seven for you played pretty well they played pretty solid I mean Lincoln yep. Raleigh said after the game that the front seven did play pretty well Baylor couldn't run the ball uh, Baylor just could not run the football I believe they were around seven uh, 60 yards I mean av- as a team averaged less than two yards per carry 1.7 yards per carry I mean, yeah. I, mean, I mean Oklahoma's front seven played, played really good well. football and that's what makes it and again it's one game bury the film move on but man when a team can't run the ball and as a defensive back you know they're going to be throwing it because that's the only way they can have success you got to be licking your chops to because you know the pass is coming and oh you still wasn't able to stop it that's concerning that's concerning it's it's
1: concerning just but i Hopefully it's
0: just the one game
1: context is necessarily because they I mean, they didn't really have any time to get to the quarterback because Zach Smith was catching it and throwing it instantly pretty much every time. Um, I, it's just, I, if, if, if they come out in two weeks against Iowa state and get torched again, then I'll be concerned. But okay. I, I just didn't, I, I I'm going to, I'm just going to heap a lot of praise on, I thought Baylor played really, really well. They, they, they looked like they looked like, Old Baylor last night, I thought, uh, on offense, on offense. I still think their their defense is terrible, but um, I, on offense, I, I thought they looked really good. They they, they looked like definitely a, a top half of offense in the Big 12, I thought.
0: See, I was going to ask, and I think you've already answered this question, and I guess I somewhat have already answered the question, too, throughout the podcast, but the last thing I was going to, to finish up with is, should we panic about the OU defense, you're kind of saying no, and 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 I'm saying no as well. I mean, of course not. And and what you said just a moment ago, if Oklahoma comes out and we see the secondary struggle after a bye week at home against Iowa State, then I think it's absolutely time to panic. But at this point, no.
1: Yeah, and I just I, I'm gonna I'm gonna just keep saying it. Context is so necessary with this. They Baylor did not just methodically drive the ball down the field. It was coverage busts. It was it was it was stuff on the outside. Baylor did not just line up and dominate the Sooners like on the offensive line or something like that. They just they got the ball to their incredibly athletic skill players on the outside and they let them just do work, and I. Unfortunately, it looked like the OU secondary was a little surprised by that, and based off of what Baylor has shown in film the first three weeks, I can understand why they were surprised by it. I wish they would have adjusted a lot better in the second half, especially when you got when you got a taste of what their game plan was on offense in the first half. They should have, you know, they uh, they should have improved. They didn't. That's slightly concerning. But I I just this is a team that's that's beat up. They've. This is their fourth consecutive week they've played. They have a bye week coming up to get healthy. I, I, and of course, you know the bye week it can't come at a better time than it is right now. I, I, it, it. It's. It's one of those things where if I see more of this throughout the season, then I'll be concerned. But I'll. I'll say it again. I. I think the defense is fine. the The front seven did play well, um, and it, it. It was. It was Jordan Thomas, and, and we've. We've. We've seen Jordan Thomas, and we. We know what he can do. So I'm just. I'm just not concerned.
0: Before Grant and I talk about the Sooners offense, I want to remind you that West of Everest is available on iTunes and SoundCloud. Please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. That lets us know that you're enjoying the show. Also, if you want to contact us, feel free to email the show, westofeverest at gmail.com. Again, that's westofeverest at gmail.com. Or you can find Grant and I on Twitter. I'm at Lee Benson News 9, at Lee Benson News, the number 9, and Grant is at Grant Benson, to All right, Grant, so over to the offense. Baker Mayfield, 13 of 19, 283 yards, three touchdowns, also added eight rushes for 30 yards. After Mayfield did not play particularly well against Tulane based on his standards, Grant, how do you think he played against Baylor?
1: I thought he was okay. Um, he... I I, I thought their their game plan on offense was interesting. Um, Baker only threw the ball 19 times I I had said on on the preview podcast that I that I would that I hoped that the Sooners would come out chucking it all over the field because I figured they'd be able to do what they want through the air and they act they did for the most part I mean he only had 13 completions and he had 283 yards which means they had guys running open you know deep downfield which they did Um, I'm I, I thought Baker was fine. He he, he made some plays, um, mostly behind the line of scrimmage, where he, you know, typical Baker Mayfield fashion, just didn't get rid of the ball in time, um, just you know hold, held on to it too long. But for the most part, I thought he was accurate. Um, he he did show. Uh, maybe kind of those issues with deep balls popped up a little bit in the first half. I think he had a couple deep balls where he didn't look great on, but then as the game progressed, he, he, he hit a couple of those uh, deep balls in stride. It looked a lot better there. Um, I I thought he was fine. It wasn't the best game he's ever played, but if, if Baker Mayfield's just fine performance, you know, is is 13 of 19 for two eighty three and three touchdowns with no turnovers. I'm okay with that.
0: Mayfield said earlier in the week that, he had no fear that OU would come out slow again, and Mayfield said that that OU would take care of that going into the Baylor game. And then, boom! Jeff Bedet opens the game with a seventy-yard kickoff return. Three plays later, Mayfield finds Mark Andrews for a touchdown less than a minute into the game. So he was right. I mean, Oklahoma's offense came out not flat, on fire. I thought Mayfield overall played pretty well, actually. Grant, uh, he took one meh sack where he got form tackled up pretty good yep and he also should have thrown his first interception of the season yeah at the end of the second quarter and actually i mean he got pretty lucky because that that may have been a pick six uh, yeah. it, was, it was fortunate that a guy dropped it.
1: it is the exact same play that he threw the pick on
0: uh last year against ohio state that's, that's exactly so, what i had in yeah. my mind too that's so that was so weird it's the exact same play Yep, and he just didn't see the the safety points he in the field. He just missed him. Yeah, he actually. Ugh.
1: Yeah, and he 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 hit the safety right in the hands too. Yeah, he got, he got lucky on that. But you know what? that's that's okay. That that happens. Um, you know the, the Sooners drop interceptions too. So so sometimes it's it's good to see it. You know when the other team drops them. Uh, so I, I, I'm not I'm not too concerned about that. That was that was the first ball he's thrown all year that's even been remotely close to being picked off. So,
0: a couple more notes on Mayfield. Second quarter, OU up twenty one to ten. He takes a big hit but still finds Mark Andrews on a on a nice jump ball where he allowed Andrews to go and make a play inside the 5-yard line. Mark Andrews by the way looked fine. Yeah, he's fine. And and then you kind of alluded to this a moment ago about the deep balls. It is worth noting Grant that the first of a couple deep balls in a row, Marquise Brown he may have dropped it but it looked like it might have been a good play the defender got his hand in there it was slightly underthrown, but not not as bad as we've seen the past three games yeah brown and had th- to
1: kind of slow up a little bit
0: right 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 and, and and then on the next play very very next play after that mayfield throws it 70 yards in the air yeah <laughs> just completely overthrowing marquise brown the announcers kind of mentioned that maybe brown he gave broke up off. on it a little bit broke yeah. off a little bit but as far as baker mayfield's Arm strength that we were kind of questioning a little bit at least maybe I was he threw that ball easily 70 yards in the air. So I think his arm is fine.
1: That's a cannon. That's a can, and he's he's got a can. And I think we've always said that. Even even when he does kind of let it go, he's just he's such a smooth thrower. It doesn't always look like he's really letting it go. He it looked like he kind of took a bit of a crow hop on that one too, but <laughs> but, but he, he did. He threw the ball seventy yards in the air. That's impressive. Maybe Kyler Murray
0: was like, "Hey man, yeah, uh, I'm a baseball player. You know, Here, here's how you can get a little extra umph on your ball if, if you really need to." Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and so uh, i I do want to go back to uh because i i did think the offensive game plan was interesting they obviously uh and they they kind of tailored it in the second half where they they i mean for the most part they just ran the ball in the second half i think mayfield may have may have only thrown the ball three or four times in the second half um but and and that was obvious they wanted to keep their defense off the field because they were struggling so that's why they ran the ball so much but i if if they would have come out throwing more i really think they could have they could have buried Baylor in the first half. Uh, they, they could have, um, but for whatever reason, they, they really stuck to that run game, and I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I'm glad that, that Lincoln Riley thinks that they need to run the ball, um, but I only throwing it 19 times against Baylor secondary, which I thought was just not good, um, was interesting to me, and, I, and I, think, I thought they could have gotten a lot more if they wanted to in, in that area of the game.
0: See, I'm kind of on the other side of you on this one because coming into the game, if you remember, I wanted to see Oklahoma run the ball a lot because Baylor was actually pretty susceptible to giving up big plays on the ground, which we saw later in the game. And I, I wrote in my notes uh, after the first half, I, I wrote, I wish OU would have tried running the ball more in the first half. I just think they would have been able to control the clock more. And because in this game, Baylor controlled time of possession. I think it was yep. 31 or 32 to 28. So, I mean, it was pretty close, but I saw a stat. Uh, they, they flashed a stat on the screen, and let's see if I can find it. Okay, so Baylor had, entering the game, Baylor's offense had run the second fewest plays in the Big 12, I believe, and averaged just 21 minutes of time of possession per game. I mean, 21 minutes in the first three games. So That means that the other team has had the ball for two-thirds of the game, and Baylor was able to hold it against OU for 32 minutes. I That's a problem. That's a problem because Baylor's offense is, is not – as good. I mean, they played well against OU. So, anyways, I want to see Oklahoma run the ball more in the second half. Like you mentioned, they sure did. And and Oklahoma ran the football a lot a lot in the second half and and I think it's as far as the running backs go, at this point, it's impossible to predict who will be the main guy in this offense from game to game. I mean, obviously it's more likely to be Abdul Adams every week because we've seen him participate and play pretty well. By the way, Abdul Adams looked great against Baylor. And that's that and I mean, obviously a 99 yard touchdown run, even as, aside from that, he he averaged more than six yards per carry, even taking that run away. But the other three guys are good enough to get their shot, obviously. And and it's just it's obvious that and we've been talking about it for a while and it's even more obvious now. OU very strong at running back, certainly a position of strength for the Sooners. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how this plays out the rest of the season.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's um, I, I think it's pretty safe at this point in time to say that uh, in terms of just running back stable, you know, the depth that they have here, that that the Sooners, uh, I, I think they pretty clearly have, have the best stable of backs in the conference. I think that's that's fairly evident. Um, Abdul Adams is a really good player. He, he's really good, and so is Trey Sermon. So, you know, they, they have two guys who, who you know are really good. I didn't think Marcellus Sutton looked great yesterday. Um, I, I, I do kind of like the little... Uh, um, I, I thought he looked good on, on one kick return in particular where you could definitely see the... Kind of the jitterbug in his legs, yeah, he he yeah. he really does have quick change of direction, um and he he's dangerous every time he gets the ball. I, I thought he looked a little, he just looked a little hesitant when he was carrying the ball. um The it it seemed like the offense when it did stall, it was when Marcellus Sutton was on the field. I thought Abdul Adams was the guy they should have gone with for the majority of the game, but that's you know what that that's that's not a huge deal. I'm not going to harp uh, too much on that. Um, I, I thought the offense, I, I said going into the game that the offense was going to do whatever they wanted, and that, that was the case. That absolutely was the case. Uh, OU had 625 yards of offense. The only time they ever got stopped, it was because uh, penalties derailed their drives. That that was it. That, that's all that stopped OU. Ten it was, penalties was, for OU. was penalties. Um, they had five holding penalties called on them, Lee. Five
0: at least one of them that's, looks like a, a phantom hold.
1: Yeah, and that's that's crazy. I think you and I have always kind of had some fun with, with with the holding penalty. I think in two thousand eight, I'm even going back super far. We, we we lamented the entire season that that OU's opponents didn't have a, a holding oh my, penalty oh against them gosh. once the entire season, and then and then you see a game like this where OU gets called for five of them in one game, and it's just uh, holding is such a weird thing, and when it when it happens so much. In a game, it it leads me to believe that the the refs were were blatantly just looking for it. They were looking to throw a flag for everything.
0: Um, Man, I can't believe you brought up that 08. That was that's that's unbelievable. That yeah. Oklahoma went through the entire year that that season, and Oklahoma was obviously very good, made to the national title game, and the def- their opposing offensive linemen were never called for a hold, like, like never. Enti- like Mm-mm. maybe there was like one, like but it's just in Oklahoma. That was – and Oklahoma's offensive line was so good that season, and Oklahoma got called for holding a lot that year too. It's just yep. – I don't and, know what that means. It's just really bizarre.
1: And so I, I only bring that up because I, I'm sure there's probably going to be a a portion of the Sooner fan base that's even a little down on the offense for this game uh, because they, they didn't pull away necessarily when they needed to. Don't be. The offense did absolutely anything it wanted. They averaged over 10 yards per play. That's obscene. Uh, so – and they, they, you know, they, they ran for 342 yards. The, the offense is fine. They, they looked crisp. They looked fine. Uh, it was just, it was penalties that hurt them, and and that's okay. And I thought, um, if, if I, I am going to give a little bit of credit to the Baylor defense, I thought they did a really good job of disguising their blitzes in that game, and they blitzed a lot. Um, uh, B- Baker was under pressure a little bit in this game, and and I thought that was solely because Baylor did a really good job of disguising uh, their coverages and their blitzes
0: more to pump up the offense and alleviate any concerns people might have when oklahoma trailed in this game which is ridiculous oklahoma was trailing baylor late in the third quarter the offense got the ball back and was a machine abdul adams was picking up chunk yardage chunk yardage and then mayfield throws a strike to jeff bidette immediately after getting called for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty great play that the motion by bidette created confusion and the post route on the near side cleared out all, all the defenders. So was, Bidette was one-on-one with his with his man. Easy touchdown. Man. Burned his great, man. Great throw by Maker Mayfield. Just like that, it was 35-31. And even at that point, going into the fourth quarter, though OU defense stepped up as well and, and forced some three-and-outs and forced Baylor to punt the football. And when Oklahoma got the ball back on offense, we saw Trey Sermon come in. And this will be the time, the time of the podcast where I think we need to talk about Trey Sermon because doesn't see the field until the fourth quarter. And it, it it's like – I don't know if that's the plan from Lincoln Riley. He was asked about that, and he just Had said, "Yeah, that." He, well, he just he said, "Yeah, game flow dictated that." You know, he didn't play until the fourth quarter. Okay, well, maybe he was just waiting until the fourth quarter, no matter what, because maybe in Lincoln Riley's mind, he kind of just holds running backs back. And I'm sure planning for this game, there's no way he was anticipating Baylor to be within you know a touchdown in the fourth quarter. So, maybe he thought, oh, you know, maybe Trey Sermon will give him the fourth quarter. He'll be totally fresh and he'll play along with Kyler Murray maybe for a bit, maybe a little bit with Baker Mayfield. Didn't, it didn't work out that way. But Sermon comes in anyways, totally fresh, totally energized, and he looked like it. And he totally ran down Baylor's defense oh. and he looked fan- fantastic. He looked, he looked so good. And I, for his,
1: and this is like one of the things, Stewarts, like I, I thought he, he, I thought he upstaged Abdul Adams and I thought Abdul Adams looked fantastic. So, that I, Trey Sermon, they they could not lead
0: Baylor's defense could not tackle him. They just couldn't. I mean it. So no, there was that one play where he was sitting yeah. in the backfield, but Sermon still managed to get four yards out of it.
1: Yeah. They just I mean, it, it took two, three guys to bring him down every time. Even on even on the even on the plays where he, you know, he gained only a yard or two. It was took just a, a ton of guys to bring him down. Um his his two touchdown runs were just impressive. Uh just impressive athleticism and He's he excites me now too. I I've we've now seen two two monster games from him um on the road at night in and, and you know pretty important situations. So uh, he's he's a gamer, man. He you can you can definitely throw him out there and have the utmost the utmost confidence in him.
0: Tip of the cap to Eric Ren and Ben Powers on Trey Sermon's first touchdown run of thirty-four yards. They opened up a massive hole along the left side and sermon. On the play, also broke a tackle and was able to get his score, so I wanted to give a tip of the cap to the offensive line there. And then he goes for 60 yards later in the game where where he just looks spry and, and under control. And, and, you know, we told you last week, Baylor was susceptible to big plays on the ground, and the Bears gave up a ton of them yes. against Oklahoma. So Trey Sermon, great to see him play as, as well as he did. Uh, coming in in the fourth quarter not getting a whole lot of playing time and like you said yeah I mean it was him it was the Trey Sermon and Abdul Adams show Um, any notes any notes on the wide receivers grant that stood out to you that you you want to mention at all I I honestly didn't really have have much except for uh, it was just disappointing for Marquise Brown uh, that fall in the third quarter that was huge I mean totally huge huge momentum shift totally avoidable as well uh, you can tell Mayfield likes throwing it to him. You can tell he likes yeah. going to Marquise Brown, but I'm I'm afraid that Baker will maybe think twice moving forward because of that fumble. But hopefully Brown just kind of files that away, and now. Moving forward will protect the ball even better.
1: I, I I hope he doesn't lose confidence in him. A fumble's a fumble. Fumbles never never really concern me that much unless it becomes uh, a very like apparent trend. So until Marquise Brown you know fumbles two or three more times, I'm not going to lose any sort of. Fumbling happens. There's that. That's why the term fumble luck is a thing because fumbles are largely random. You just never know when they're going to happen. I don't think you can ever account for them. They just it's one of just the, the stupid parts of football is that they happen. Um, and sometimes you recover them, and sometimes you don't. And they just got unlucky there. Um, I, I don't really have any other thoughts on the wide receivers. I thought they looked good. CD Lamb looked good again. Um, just kind of with everything he does, he had one really nice catch where he had where he kind of bobbled it and up in the air, and he kept his concentration and made the catch and. He showed. Uh, I thought he showed a, a lot of athleticism after that catch too. Maybe you know, running for about five yards after the catch too. And he was. I, I, th- I thought he showed a lot of maturity and smarts. Um, he he gave himself up on that play when there was three guys surrounding him. So I like to see that. Um, he 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 just doesn't look like a freshman. He's he's a good player. No no he doesn't. Um, he looks yeah, really good. He he's good. He's I mean he's uh, he's he's clearly the Sooners' next star at, at the wide receiver position. He's a stud. I, I don't really think there's any. There's any debate over that anymore. Um, I'm just, just looking forward to, to continue to see him get better. So, uh, Other than that, I, I thought everyone looked fine. Andrews, uh, he only got targeted a handful of times, and he had a couple uh, big catches. Everyone else I thought looked fine. Jeff Bidette's really, really fast. He's so fast. Um, I, I thought it was Yeah, too- I mean,
0: Bidette and Brown are both yeah. big-time speedsters. Yeah,
1: I—, I wanted to bring up on his, to open the game, his kick return, but that even then looked really fast. It's just too bad that, uh, um, that, that Baylor has an all American, uh, sprinter on their team. And he was the one who actually, <laughs> he was, he was the one who actually ran down, uh, Badett it was a shoestring tackle too. So I, I, Jeff Bidette's is a guy who's really, really going to help this football team. If we didn't already, I mean, we already knew that, but he's, I think, as the season goes on, he's going to carve out more of a role in this offense. And he's him along with CD and Andrews, I think are going to, uh, to, to form a, a pretty ferocious threesome, uh, for, you know, for, for receivers.
0: So as we kind of wrap up this OU Baylor game, I have a couple more things I want to bring up. Just you've already talked about how you thought this game was weird grant. And I just want to kind of agree with that and just, and, and say that, yeah, it felt like a weird game. I mean, Oklahoma was in control, 28-10. to 10. I thought the Sooners would run away with it at that point, but then the defense allowed big plays. That changed everything. Those big plays totally changed the, the dyna- dynamic of the game. Obviously, Oklahoma was objectively better than Baylor, but if you're uh, an AP member or a college football fan and you didn't watch this game at all and you look at just the box score, you wouldn't see that... That Oklahoma was objectively better than Baylor. So I'm not sure if that's a problem or not. Probably not. But I just wanted to point that out. Uh, And lastly, and and I know you've already talked about the weird game. I just the question I want to ask you, Grant, was this a necessary wake up call for the Sooners?
1: I, I hope so. I, I hope um I, I hope this serves a reminder to them that anything can happen, and that even when you're going on the road to face a conference team that's 0 and three, you know they can still sneak up on you and play well. And, and Baylor, and, and I'm sure I'm you know they watched the same tape that we did leading up to this game, and they I, they probably did not feel like Baylor could do what they did last night. Um, and so I I hopefully. That plants a seed in the back of their mind for the rest of the season. Um, I, I'm assuming now they're probably not going to be taking Iowa State lightly in a couple of weeks. At least I hope not, because Iowa State um, has the potential to do sort of the same thing. They have a good quarterback. They have a really good receiver. Um, I don't know if they have quite the same team speed on on offense, but they, they hopefully they, they got their attention.
0: And yeah, I agree. This is this is absolutely a necessary wake up call for Oklahoma. And usually, wake up calls come in crushing defeats i mean just look at oklahoma state from saturday so for the sooners to get kind of water splashed on their face by baylor like that and still win the game on the road that's got to help this team moving forward and this is just from me to the oklahoma team as a whole i implore you do not take any team for granted please watch film all the film it didn't seem like the defensive backs for the Sooners watched any tape of Baylor. And I know you said that they looked different than the first few games, but even though they did look a little different, we we acknowledged last week that they have some talent on the outside and the wide receivers are their best players if they have the opportunity to get the football. And Oklahoma should have seen that. So, so this defense, Oklahoma's defense, showed against Ohio State that it has the ability to be very, very good. And defense is supposed to travel. It's supposed to always show up. So come on, OU defense. You yeah, got to be better.
1: And, and yes, they. I, I. Obviously, I don't think the defense played well. That's not what I'm saying at all. They. They played. They played poorly, actually, uh, especially the back half of the defense. Uh, but I. I just context is always necessary. Uh, Baylor did not have a lot of success on first and second down. Uh, a lot of their damage came on third and long, uh, just and coverage. And I think that, uh, like I said earlier, with fumbles and turnovers, uh, big plays in college football are largely random. Also. And that you know, it's sometimes you go on the road in conference and just it's the perfect storm of crap. A lot of the times you you don't you don't win those games, but the Sooners were able to win this game, and I think they should be grateful for that. That um, on offense, uh, just to put a bow on everything, uh, Baylor didn't stop OU. OU stopped OU on offense. It was it was penalties and, and a single turnover that stopped OU. Otherwise, they would have scored sixty points in this game fairly easily. I the the offense, nothing to be concerned about. The defense. A little to be concerned about now, but I, I think they're 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 gonna they're gonna be better for this, and they'll correct it going forward.
0: So this is the point in the show where I was gonna ask Grant his thoughts on Oklahoma State and TCU, but you weren't able to uh, since you were at that wedding yesterday. You weren't able to just I was to just watch able that to, game,
1: only able to listen to it on the radio. So I haven't seen. Uh, from what I've seen, it looks like TCU was was in control of that game uh, pretty much the entire time. Um, I, I will watch it just to take a look at everything, but it, but it does sound like that Mason Rudolph was under pressure all day and just could never get comfortable in the pocket.
0: Well, yeah, we'll save we'll save thoughts about that game and the Big Twelve as a whole for our show later in the week. And and I said going into the game, I mean, I said if if Oklahoma State just if Oklahoma State didn't cover the spread, I was going to be legitimately shocked. I was that was a legitimately shocking outcome for that game because to be shocked, honest with you, that- TCU. Is is an is they're fine. The the horror frogs are fine. And so we'll we'll talk more about that later in the week.
1: I'll and, and later in the week I'm gonna push back on you there. I, I didn't think the TCU beating Oklahoma State didn't didn't shock me at all. I, I don't think that should have been shocking to you. Um but like you know, we of course we can we can touch on that later in the week.
0: Well real quick, just just to clarify, I'm basing that off of what I've seen on film for the first three weeks of this season, and and,
1: and o- Lee, Oklahoma State. I, I I said it last week; they have not played a soul. They've been they, they've been playing against air. Uh, Pitt's bad, UT or uh, South Alabama and Tulsa are bad. It's it, it's it's crazy what happens when you finally play a team with a pulse and. They got sure. Yeah, I
0: mean, TCU was obviously the the best defense they'd face, but TCU's defense was exploited by SMU literally one week before, and, and, and SMU's and got maybe, a dynamic offense, but nowhere near as dynamic as Oklahoma State's. And, and offense.
1: maybe this was maybe TCU had a had a moment like OU had this week against Baylor, where they just gave up a lot Perhaps. of, big play and and I'm stuff like that happens, Lee. And this is a uh, this is a sport where it's it's different week to week, and especially playing in this conference. You never know, or at this conference and in this part of the country, you just never know when a team uh, is going to sneak up on you, especially especially if they if they spread you out and they, t- and they chuck it around the yard. You just never know what's going to happen.
0: Well said. That's, all right, that's our show for today. If you enjoyed what you heard, please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. It would be much appreciated. Now, even though the Sooners are, are, are off this next week, the OU has a bye. Grant and I will be back with another episode on Thursday. No game this Saturday, so we'll have to find some fun, interesting topics to talk about regarding OU football. So that we'll we'll figure it out. It'll be a cool episode. Plus Grant and I will talk about the Big Twelve and the rest of college football as a whole. So until then, for Grant, I am Lee. This is West of Everest.